I was appalled over here. No, it really was. Yeah, it was right when I started coming to UC Berkeley. Um, and they were pastoring a church in uh, San Rafael, and it was this great vineyard church in Marin County. Um, and the cool thing that happened with their church was they kind of opened up the doors to their church, you know, and probably unofficially or, or unconsciously had some idea of the type of church that they were going to build. And what happened was uh, a lot of the uh, recovery, people in recovery from drugs from the community around started coming into their church. And as they did, what happened is the poor and the hurting from the city of San Rafael started to flock into this church. And it became this like wonderful, beautiful expression of God's heart for the poor and the broken of San Rafael. And they did just an amazing job loving this community. And at that time, my parents and I had just started attending this church. And we walked into the back, and immediately we felt the presence of God. It was kind of like what Lisa said when she was up here, where she's like, I don't know who these pastors are. I don't know who these people are, but I know that the presence of God is here. And we ended up staying there for many years. And my dad experienced the first healing miracle that he's ever experienced through his hands in their church. Do you remember this? It's a really profound, cool healing miracle where a guy was about to go in to get surgery and my dad kind of just laid his hand on his shoulder and prayed for him with no faith at all. <laughs> like, I'm kidding, I kid you not, zero faith. And the guy, you know, he got done and, and Jeff's instructing him to check in with the guy like, hey, how did it go? And so my dad like kind of robotically goes like, hey, how's it going? You know, how'd it go? He's like, why were you digging your thumb into my shoulder, like right into the area that I'm going to get surgery on? Like, why were you doing that where you were praying? That's so weird. My dad was like, I just laid my hand on your shoulder. I didn't dig any, I didn't dig my thumb into anything. I don't know what you're talking about. The guy went in and got checked uh, later that week, and he was 100% healed. He didn't get surgery on his shoulder. And that happened through their church. And so there's a bunch of stories like that of people just being radically and profoundly transformed. And so we just want to honor you guys. Thank you for your service to San Rafael. And they've also been coming here for now, I don't know, five years probably, on and off a few times. And so thank you for investing in this house too. So with that, I'll welcome up Jeff to come and bless us with the word. You, you know, that story that, that uh, Ryan told about his dad, it, it, I love that story because probably none of you, most of you probably never got a chance to meet Randy, but he was like an investment banker, right? Or So he was like, the, he was a suit guy, you know, he's always had a suit. Wherever he, you know, when he'd come in, in one of our meetings, he'd, you know, the rest of us, we didn't have suits, but Randy had a suit. And it, and it was just fun. And, and it, it was fun to watch, just as as, as uh, Ryan described, um, his reaction, and and frankly, my reaction, because <laughs> you know, when when people get introduced, and people are very kind for, to the people they're introducing, they they want you, they they often imply that the person being introduced knew what they were doing. And rarely did Annette and I and the other leaders feel like we really had a firm grip on what we were doing. Um, one time, just very, very quick, I just, because I go down memory lane here, I was serving communion like we had today. And uh, I, I said I was serving communion, and you know how you can, like, multitask? You know, you, you can say something in your heart and in your mind. And I said, 
to the Lord, I said, you know, this, this, this will never work, what you're doing here. I said, these folks have no money, and they scare away the people that do have money. <laughs> and, and that was really true. I mean, we were experiencing that. We had people say to us, uh, I think that this is exactly what Jesus would be doing. I don't want to do this. And that's what they would say, and they would, they would take off. And, and all I heard back, I felt the Lord say back to me, I, yes, I really love them. That's all. He didn't want to address the money issue. And I, I mean, I would, you know, the money thing goes up and down, and God works through you and, you know, helps you realize why, did, why am I worrying about this? But it takes like about 50 times, you know, to go through that, you know, if you're honest, often. And then you realize that God's got it covered. So it was fond memories. And uh, it was fun to see Randy and Madeline come in. And other people would come in and outdress the rest of us. And I'd say to myself, I don't know how long this is going to last, you know. But it, but it was good. So good, 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 good. I was thinking, uh, Lisa and it's Matt, right? You know, no, we could have the wedding right now. We have a center aisle. And we have a couple of preachers. We can, like, do this. Save you a lot of money. I don't think you want to do that. I can tell by the look on your face. Thanks, but no thanks. Okay, I understand. Hey, so it's good to be here. It's like, I was thinking driving over here, it's like coming to the fountain of youth for Annette and I. You know, it's re- it really is, it's really good for us. The older we get, the more we, f- I feel like my, one of my parents, you know, and, you know, does the music have to be that loud? And I never thought I'd ever say that. But, but I start saying that, you know. It doesn't have to be that loud, you know. But I get it. I get it. It was loud when we were young. I mean, we were on the tail end of the Jesus People movement. Right, Larry? And, and we, we, we broke the bubble with having, allowing drums to come into the church. I mean, that was a big deal. That was a big... I don't mean us personally, but that we were part of that wave, you know, where people debated. Can, is, are drums even godly? I mean, that was a big, big, big question. So, uh, anyway, um, you know, I was going to get my little clock out here. You know what it means when a preacher gets his clock out? Nothing. (laughs) That's what it means. It means nothing. doesn't mean anything. Okay, I want to share with you about something that I I think is, in some ways, it's kind of a a no-duh, like obvious. But I think in other ways, it's, it's not so obvious. And I think it's something that we can, we can miss pretty easy as we, we get busy and as we get caught up in doing uh, church-type things and, and living life and just, just earning money and paying the rent or if you have an opportunity to have a mortgage, paying that or whatever it is. And that's this, that what God has called us to, and you just boil it down very simply, and this is kind of the no doubt part, is the with God life. It's learning to live life with God. And that's, that's very simple to say that. I don't know if you're like me. My hunch is some of you might be. I hope some of you might be. It's really easy to get off track on that. It's really easy for other things to get in the way. And I say that I want to live the with, life, the with God life but I let other things get in the way, and I let other things get my attention. And at other times, I, I feel really focused, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful, and I'm walking with God, and I'm 
you know, and, and then other times it's just like, and then I, when, I, when I get off track, I, I think sometimes, how, do, how did I get off track? And I can still be doing the outward things, but I just know my heart's not there. And I want to I wanna share something with you out of a, a, a beautiful psalm, and uh, psalm 139. How many of you are familiar with Psalm 139? If somebody says, well, Psalm 49, you know, you, you know exactly what that is. How many of you? Some of you? Okay. It's a psalm of David. So we'll put this up. We get this up there on the, uh, the screen. And, you know, you know we think I, this is a psalm that David wrote. And when we read through it, and there's, we could spend, you could probably spend a month on Psalm 139, like you could a lot of parts of the scripture. We won't spend a month this evening. But I encourage you to go back and revisit it. I encourage you that after tonight that that you don't just file Psalm 139 away because as we read through this and you think about King David wrote this psalm now King David lived about you know you know it's hard to know exactly when but about a thousand years BC and he writes like he read the New Testament you know and his experiences are like he's Familiar with how God works and how God moves. David is an example, a beautiful example of the with God life. Remember, he was a, a young shepherd boy, right? And, and, and yet he did a great exploit in fighting the giant Goliath. And, and he was king of, of uh, Israel and Judah. And he, he, and he wasn't perfect. I mean, he had some pretty severe you know, he made some pretty severe mistakes. And yet, he's called a man after God's own heart, isn't he? So as we read through the, just the first part of Psalm 139, we, we're just going to go through just the first part, the, the first 12 verses, and then I'm going to leave the rest, of the, the rest of the psalm for you to go back over and the first part of the psalm to go back over. And I really encourage you, uh, uh, about a month or so ago, I... I started working on memorizing Psalm 139. I'm, I'm not going to try to try to quote it to you because if I try to do it in front of a group, I get really messed up. I can do it on my own, you know. But the point isn't to be able to quote it in front of a group. The point is to be able to bring it up into your heart and your soul and to remind yourself. So we're just going to read through uh, the first 12 verses of Psalm 139. Well, we won't read. We'll, 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 we'll break it up a little bit. Let's do this. So verses 1 through 6 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. And you scrutinize my path and my lying down. And you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. Don't you love David? Don't you love how he writes things? Now, that's out of the New American Standard, and the New American Standard can be a little bit wooden, it's pretty accurate and it's, it's pretty helpful. And I, uh, I, I'm not, 
old enough to say I like the King James Version, but I'm old enough to say I like the New American Standard. And so if you like the New International Version, we used to tease in the vineyard that NIV meant needed in vineyard. And that's what that meant. That meant that not New International Version. But let's just remind ourselves here. Here's, here's David. Now, we're going to, I meant to say at the beginning, and I, and I took a misstep here. This first part of my talk, this, this, this beginning part, is we're looking at God's part in our lives. I talked about the with God life, right? I mentioned that. So this is God's part. David is affirming what God knows about each one of us sitting in this room. He knows everything about you. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you rise up. He knows your thoughts from afar. He knows your motivations. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. Now, that doesn't mean that he controls you. It just means that he knows you. And that's different. I got here a little bit late. We got here a little bit late tonight. Just only five minutes late. Oh, my goodness. I'm never, we're never going to get five minutes late again. We're trying to find parking. Is, never gonna find. And as I was driving around, you know, and, and Ryan said, don't worry, you got 45 minutes, you know, during worship to find a place. And I thought, it's going to take me 45 minutes. And I said, Lord, and I remind myself, Lord, you, you knew that I was going to be going through this. Lord, help me find a parking spot. You know, it seems like it's hard even for God to find a parking spot in Berkeley sometimes. <laughs> and it, it just seemed, it was a little hard, a little challenging. But it was, it was good for me to go through that. Now, that doesn't mean that he controls my choices. It just means he knows what I'm going to choose. And some people get that a little confused. Well, if God already knows, what difference does it make? Well, it's a little bit like living, Annette and I have been married a little over 40 years. And, you know, there's times when I, I just, I know what she's going to say, and she knows what I'm going to say. You know, we're not quite there yet, but we can be like that old couple that are sitting at the table and go, do you? No, I don't. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. And you're not even using full sentences. We're not quite there yet. But I've seen people like that, you know. No, I don't think so. Okay, yeah, me neither. I didn't, you know. You want to eat? And then, no, I'd rather, okay. So that doesn't mean that we're making choices for each other. It just means we know each other so well. You do the same thing with little children. You watch them. We have three wonderful little grandkids. Grandkids are just the best. But you can watch them, especially after you've raised kids, your own kids, and you can just see their little minds turning, their little wheels spinning. And you just know, and you can do this with your own kids. You just know they're up to something. You know, and you say, uh, Trinity, what are you doing? Nothing. Well, that means go check. That's what that means. Go, go look. Little Aaliyah loves to find a pencil, and, and though we have plenty of paper, she likes the walls. I don't know why she likes coloring on the walls. So David here is, is expressing well, a thousand years before Christ even shows up on the scene, that his relationship with God, what he's come to understand, is that God knows everything about him. Now, when we look at this passage, I think at least one thing that should come to mind is, guess what? You can't surprise him. And you can't impress him. He knows everything. He, he, he just knows everything about us. Let's go on and read a little bit more, a little, uh, a little further through. Then he goes, he switches from God knowing everything to God is everywhere. So now that kind of tightens, tightens the walkway just a little bit more, doesn't it? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. And if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me. Have you ever felt like the darkness is overwhelming you? And the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Now when I read this, I find myself with the ability to kind of go two ways with it. The first way is, if I'm honest with myself, that's a little scary. We can't hide anything from God, and we don't. He sees everything. Good choices, bad choices. He sees when we're faithful. He sees when we're unfaithful. We already read that he knows our thoughts from afar, knows my motivations. So when he says to us something like, how are you doing? And we say, you know, the typical American greeting, oh, good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, that's just, you know, when someone asks us that question, they, they don't really want to know exactly, I mean, everything how we're doing. They just, it's a greeting that we've learned. And it can be kind of superficial. How are you doing? Good, I'm good. You know, when God said to Adam and Eve, where are you? You know, we're hiding. Well, they weren't really hiding. I mean, they thought they were hiding, but they weren't hiding. And when I think I'm hiding, I'm not hiding. And when I think that I maybe have pushed God aside, I haven't pushed God aside. He's right there. Now here's the thing. He still loves us. So I don't have to take that first path. I can take the second path and say, God, you know all this about me, and yet you still desire a relationship with me? And this is God expressing his part in relationship. His part is, I know everything about you. And you're not hiding anything from me. And I still want the best for you. And when you feel like you're in darkness, you're not in darkness. I'm still with you. Your perception of God may, may appear, you may think God has left you. But David, we just read, David just affirmed, if I take the wings of the dawn and I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, if I just get as far away as I can possibly conceive, behold, you're there. And look, the reality is sometimes we just don't feel like that's true. And we're praying and we're asking God for help, and we, which we should, and we sometimes feel like we're in agony, and God understands that. And somebody said, you know, I feel like my prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. And that person said, if you knew God, you would know that's high enough because he's right here. See, my perception is he's far away. David rarely had that perception, it seems. Now, David, for his part, did some practices. You know, it says throughout the Psalms in different places that he would lay on his bed and meditate on the goodness of God. Here's a practice that I, I, I can't say I do it every morning. I don't do it every morning. There's some mornings, frankly, I just forget. There's some mornings I just get up and I just get on with the day. 
But often, I, before I get up, I lay there and I say, God, my day is opening before me and I don't know what I'm going to face. You do, you know. I don't know what the twists and turns will be. I don't know what interruptions I'll have. I don't know what difficulties I have. I don't know what news I'm going to get from family members. I mean, all, you know, the, the, all of what life can bring to us. But you know, God. I might work through parts of Psalm 23. One of the times I was here, I'd just go through Psalm 23 a little bit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he would work through that. And, you were, and what, what you're doing is you're not convincing God of anything. You're reminding your own soul of the truth that David so well knew and other saints and, and others that have gone before us that walked in because we forget. And we get, you know, our, 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 our focus, our vision gets blinded. And we get clouded. Where, God, where are you? He's right here. So God's part is that he's fully invested in our lives. He's, he's fully aware of us. He's fully aware what's, what's coming up the road to meet us. And I want to encourage you to take heart with that, not fear, not, not live in fear of that, but live in awesome acceptance. Yeah, I just realized you guys are like way up there on the shelf. Why are you guys up there? I don't know that I've ever noticed that before. I should look up more often. You guys okay? Good. Don't mess around up there just because we can't all, you know, because you're behind us. Don't start passing notes and stuff. So God is fully invested in us, fully aware. And so David, as you look at David's life, I love the, I love the line out of, I love the story of David and Goliath. You know, I, I just love that because David is shocked when he goes in front of Goliath, and, and he sees the army of Israel quaking in their boots. And he makes this statement. He says, who is this that would taunt the armies of the living God? I mean, my gosh, if that's not a faith statement built on experience, I mean, what a question, right? Who is this? How would you even answer that question? Well, David, this is Goliath, and he's like, uh, he's taller than most of us, and, you know, we're kind of freaked out right now, and that's who's taunting the armies of the living God. You know, it doesn't even sound right to make that as an excuse. And then he says, you know, the God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear when I was a shepherd, he will deliver me from this Philistine. And he reminds others that are in front of him, but I think that he's reminding his own soul and he's just reminiscing. He said, God has been faithful, so faithful, and he's led me through this. So that's the first part of Psalm 139. And, and you can go back and, and look at that and l let your life be an overlay of that. You know, the reality is that it's wonderful when God manifests his presence, like through healing and through different words that we get and things. And I'm not opposed to that. And I think that's very, very helpful. But I, I also know that it's not, it's often, it's not a message a minute that we get. And there's not always a pillar of fire. And there's not always the the, the cloud and there's not all that and we just have to through faithfulness walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we fear no evil because we know God is with us his rod and his staff comfort us 
but, but that's not always made manifest, you know, like right there in front of our eyes. David, when he stood in front of Goliath, he was reminiscing how God had met him. But he had to pick up the, he still picked up stones, didn't he? And he still put them in his sling. And very faithfully, he stepped out. David is a wonderful example to us. Now, part two. Our part. Our part is that we in turn immerse our lives back into God's. God's already done his part. But now we have to take steps to immerse our lives in. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about making, you know, allowing the Lord and the work of the cross and the work of the resurrection and saying, Lord, I welcome you and I am thankful that you have mercy with me and I receive all that you are and all that you have for me. And Lord, would you welcome me into your kingdom? And, and that's a transaction that we have, we just say yes to him. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about after that part now where we learn the rest of our lives how to immerse and reinvest in God. And that's not so automatic. And let me, I want to say this carefully. And I have a dear, dear friend. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But he liked to talk about no such thing as zap it Christianity. This is what he means. He didn't mean that he didn't believe in healing. He and I prayed for a man in the hospital. And we watched the Lord heal this guy. And it was a, it was a great experience. And he, and he believed that people could have demonic presences in their lives and that those could be broken but here's what he didn't believe and he would like to remind us of that the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness faithfulness gentleness goodness self-control supposed to be nine of them I don't know if I got all nine but you you got the list right that's cultivated that's not zapped you don't come forward and say, I'd like to receive the fruit of the Spirit tonight and pray for me, and then when I leave here, I'll have the fruit of the Spirit. Well, that's a good thing to desire. But sorry to say that's not how it will come. Fruit is cultivated. Gifts are given. Gifts are given like that. But fruit's not given like that. Fruit says you cultivate. So our part is reinvesting. So if... I want to say this carefully, and I want to say it kindly, but I want to say it because I think we can get tripped up here. If you're the kind of person who's hoping that you come forward enough for ministry forward and that something that has not been broken yet in your life will be broken here, and this is all you do, that will not be enough. You have to invest and get help from people, but you have to take a look inside and ask the Lord for insight and say, God, what's going on with me? Why do, I, why do I have this besetting sin? And get some help. I'm not saying don't get help. I'm saying don't expect that you don't have to invest in the process. You're not earning it. It's not earning, but you're expressing effort to welcome God in. So things like discipline, like scripture memory or, or fasting or or learning not to have the last word and letting somebody else have the last word and or 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 here's one I thought for this group here's one to, sh to share with you taking a fast from Facebook oh my gosh that could be the best thing you ever did you just think about that I'm, I'm not going to be your judge though I'm tempted to but, but things like that 
things that are automatic in our lives that we start, you take a step back and you say, you know, this isn't so helpful for me. Okay, so part two, how do I immerse back in the life of God? I want to look at three passages of Scripture. I bet they're all very familiar with you. I bet the first one's very familiar to you, and I bet that you maybe have memorized most of it, if not all of it. And it's just a couple of, just a few verses. The first one is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. How many know that? If I say Proverbs 3, how many of you know that? How's it go? Let's, let's start. Is it up on the screen? Oh, by the way, Lauren, is Lauren here? Thank you for helping me and Christine. She put the slides together. I don't know if Christine's here or not. Anyway, thank you for your help. Up here? or You guys are pointing all over the place. Okay. <laughs> anyway, when you see Christine, thank her. Oh, there she is. Thank you, Christine. She's actually doing it, of course. That's why she can't. How's it going back there, Christine? <laughs> doing okay? Good job. Thank you very much for your help. So here's the goal, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know the term quiet time? Here's what the with God life is. It's a quiet time all through the day. I'm not saying that you don't have one in the morning and not you know, give time to that and prayer and reading your Bible. I will tell you this, that's always been difficult for me. It's just always been difficult for me. But I tell you what I have learned to do, and I've learned to cultivate it, is I've learned most days to go through the day reminding myself of the principles like in Psalms 139 and Proverbs 3, 5, 5 through 6. It says this, right? Can we say it together? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It's a wonderful promise, and it shows us the two parts. My part is I invest by trusting in the Lord with all my being, with all my heart, and leaning not onto my own best ideas, my own understanding. I, there's a paraphrase I put together. I, I'm, I started to do this, and this is kind of fun. You know, people do all kinds of different people do paraphrases. Try sometime to paraphrase a passage that is really meaningful to you. I didn't translate this out of the Hebrew and all that. I just took the English words and I looked at it, and here's how, here's how I did it. You could come up with your own paraphrase. Put your belief in God into action. Don't depend on your ideas only, but rather in every twist and turn of your life, welcome God in, and as you practice this, he will give you the guidance you need. Now that for me, it helps me to, to, to get that there's a, it's like a seesaw. There's an up and a down, or there's an in and an out, or however you want to look at it. God's part, but my part. Putting my faith into action. Now wait a second, I'm looking for a parking place. Is this a surprise to God? No. Is this the biggest trial in my life I'll ever have? No. Is it causing me a little bit of tension? Yeah, actually it is. I'm over in un, you know, kind of an unfamiliar area, and I don't know, and I'm thinking, why did Ryan make it seem like it would be so easy? Well, he didn't actually. He said, you got 45 minutes, you know? And I'm thinking, will this really, I already said that, right? Will this take me 45 minutes, you know? And, and then, then I would come up, and I just would miss one. You guys know what that's like. I'd just miss a spot. Somebody else pulled in there. They clicked their lights, and I think, are you leaving? Are you coming? Are you no, you're staying, Okay? So, do, am I trusting God? 
Am I, and am I trusting God enough that what if I don't find a parking place? Will that be okay? Will my life, not, will my life fall apart? I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because the next passage is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. Now this one, you know, you might read this passage and you might, if you're honest, you might say, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Consider it joy. Now various trials, you know what that means? Whatever comes your way. You know, it's not like, well, these trials, consider it joy, but these trials, you should freak out. These are freak out trials, and these are joy trials. That's not what he's saying. You know, the scripture doesn't give us that leeway. Isn't that, don't you feel like sometimes that's a bummer, you know? No, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you come. Now, that, that consider, that word consider, I understand, is a, like an accounting term. It's when you, you add up the column and you conclude, conclude that it's all joy when you encounter various trials because you know that the testing of your faith is producing something in you. It's just like exercise. You've got to feel the pressure. You've got to feel the pain. You're not earning something, but your effort is adding something and so it's the part that I have to do. Remember, no zap at Christianity. Oh, God, just do it for me. No, he says, I will do it with you. But when I do it with you, you've got to welcome me in. God loves to be invited in. He loves to be invited into the middle of our day. He loves to be invited into the beginning of our day, of course. He loves to be invited when you hit something and you just realize, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to handle this learning to get that into our souls so that our first reaction is, okay, Lord, this is not a surprise to you. I'm thinking about Psalm 139. You know, you know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. Darkness is not dark to you. Darkness is light to you. Even before there's a word on my tongue, you know, you know I just dial that up. I heard of somebody that got a medical treatment. This was years and years ago, and they had to go through the MRI tunnel, I guess, you know, and they were claustrophobic. And this gentleman said, well, I'll tell you it was. It was the leader of the Vineyard Movement at the time, John Wimber. Some of you are way too young. You know, John Wimber, John Wimber. He's the leader of the Vineyard Movement at the time, and he said, I quoted Psalm 23, and he said, I don't think I got it in order. You know, he said, because I was, he said, I was just kind of spitting it out, and I was kind of blubbering it out, but he said, but I got it, and he goes, I, I got the, the truth of this passage, and what I'm saying by that illustration is, you don't have to say it perfectly. It's not about memorizing something so you can just quote it word for word perfectly. You want it in your bones, in your soul, in your spirit. You want it deep within you so that you can just, you can call it up and say, Lord, you're here. This is not a surprise to you. So consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter these various trials because you know the testing of your faith is producing endurance. And then it says, let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, he goes on and says, then ask God. Why? You need wisdom to be able to do that. You've got to ask. You can't do that on your own. But when you set your heart that way, in that direction, and you say, Lord, here I am. This is a big mess, and I don't know how to solve this. And I ask you for help. 
You know what you will discover? You will discover, if you, I, bet, I bet many of you already have, and this is just the blessing of that endurance that gets produced in you. And, and some of it, is, some of it is, is walking with the Lord longer. I don't mean that you have to be an, old, an older person to do this. I think you can be old and bitter just as easy as you can be young and bitter. So I don't think it's automatic that you're just older. But there's something about walking with the Lord and gaining knowledge and gaining experience. And you find yourself beginning to say, you know what, I've been here before. And I remember how God delivered me. Hey, that sounds like David, doesn't it? I've been here before. I fought off things that wanted to kill the sheep. And they were stronger and bigger than me and more vicious than me. And they were lions and they were bears. And this Philistine was no match for the armies of the living God. That's the peace that Paul talks about that surpasses understanding. See, that's not peace that you grin and bear it and you say, peace, 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 or joy, 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 joy. And somebody sums up to you, what are you doing? I'm trying to get joy. I'm trying to get joy. No, it's, it, that's not it. It comes from above and it comes and it's a, a, a supernatural, it's a result of, of you cultivating and setting your mind on the things of God, setting your mind on the spirit. Because when our mind's set on the spirit, that's life and peace. But our mind set on the flesh is death. So when I look at my circumstances just through the eyes of the flesh, and I say, oh, this will never work. This is terrible. Oh, this is bad. Oh, these, these poor people are going to uh, kill our church. Well, I don't know if they killed it or what exactly happened. I, I know this, that... All in all, it was a pretty good thing. And some of my fondest memories are thinking back to some of the things, some of the, some of the things that some of those folks said. Some of them it was like, and this is a mystery to me. I'm not going to build theology on this, but I'll just say that some of them quoted scripture back to me when I know they didn't know it. I know they didn't know it. Some of them did. But some of them didn't know it, but they knew the principle. And they would quote it back to me, and I don't know who the patient was. I think sometimes it was me, you know? And, and, and sometimes I think it was some of our leadership. I remember one time we had a leaders meeting, and we were trying to figure out, what are we going to do about the situation? And a very wise woman raised her hand, and she said, well, what are they asking for? And you know what they were asking for? And she helped us frame this. All they were asking for was to be with us. That's all they were asking for. They weren't asking us to solve their problems. I mean, some of them, you know, they, uh, they asked for help, and we helped them when we could, and we did help them. But they weren't asking for the whole solution. For the most part, they just wanted to be with us. And that seemed to be okay with God. It is one of the questions, honestly, and I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to say this to you very openly and very honestly, so that I'm going to encourage you to have these honest, open reflections yourself. I don't know exactly what happened there. I don't know if the ending of it was all well and good or if it was premature. I just know that it ended. I know that I got very burnt out, and, and, and it seemed to be wise for us to lay it down, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what, if you lay this down, I'll, this isn't just an illustration for this sermon. I, I remember this very clearly. You know what, if you lay it down, I will be with you. And if you keep it going, 
I will be with you. You get to pick. And I said, Lord, I, I think I need to lay it down. And I felt like he said, through the leaders and through my wife, and well, well and good. Let's, let's press on. Isn't that good? Let's press on. I mean, that's what Peter needed to hear. Well, Peter, you really thought you had this figured out. Let's press on. When, when you've returned, when you've repented, Peter, go get your brothers and come back and we're, we're going to press on. You read the last part of the Gospel of Mark, you'd, you'd wonder if Jesus really thought these guys could pull it off because he said, you lack faith and you have hardness of hearts. Now go preach the Gospel. <laughs> you know, and you think, I mean, I thought what we're, our goal was, you are stellar, you are, oh my gosh, you are, you, you are epic. Jesus is going to use that word, right? You're awesome. And my daughter would say, oh, Dad, I can't believe you said that. You said, did you say epic to them? Don't do, don't do that. You're going to, you're going to reveal you're, you're out of touch with the culture. <laughs> the point is, you think that, that they would have had it more together than that. And they didn't have it perfectly together. But they pressed on. They pressed on. The last one, we'll end with this one, Colossians 3.17, a very short one. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, now how big is that category? <laughs> whatever you do, in word or deed, so that's speaking or action. It's hard to think of much else than that, okay? <laughs> whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And a little paraphrase that helps me says this. In what you say and in what you do, bring your whole life under the authority and provision of the Lord Jesus and express thankfulness and appreciation to and for the goodness of God. In everything you do, in everything you are. Now here's, how do I do that? I mentioned Facebook earlier, I'm going to mention it again. Consider your next post, if you're big into posting, doing that first, and then make your post. You might decide you don't have much to say. Or, <laughs> or you might decide that you could say it differently. Right? I mean, there's options. I'm not, there's options. Might not have much to say, might be able to say it differently, might decide to wait and sit on something. And I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the terrible political narrative that is going on in our country. That's just awful. And I see believers and people of all kinds, you know, relationship friends that I have, and I just, it just saddens me. And not because I'm some goody two shoes, I just think. It's too easy to hammer out something and then, I don't know, you know, blatantly disregard love and care and empathy and listening. I don't think it's good for us. Now, you sort that out. I'm not God's cop. 
tempted to be sometimes, aren't you? I mean, you're tempted. You, you are, right? When you think you're, you're right about something, you like to share that, and so do I. And, and then if I think I'm wrong, I like to say, then I'll change and become right, and then I'll want to tell you what I think is, okay? I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying, pump the brakes and look at your life, not just Facebook, but look at your life in light of what God has said is true in Psalm 139 through David that your life is immersed in him. And then what these three passages, and there's many, many passages, aren't there, that talk about how we in return respond back to God. We trust in him with all our heart and soul and mind, leaning not into our own understanding, considering all joy when we encounter various trials and backfires and hindrances, and then in whatever we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thinking through, what would that be like? How would I do that? And I'm not suggesting that answer is easy or, or immediate, I should say. Thinking it through. How would I do this in light of Colossians 3.17? How do I run a business? How do I raise children? How do I run a church? How do I attend church? How do I do an outreach ministry? Outreach ministry. How do I have a discussion with someone who disagrees with me on some political or theological issue? I mean, as the sky is literally the limit, isn't it? There's just thousands of ways that, that we interact with one another. And if we keep this, see, Paul had this wonderful way. I mean, sometimes you, I find myself wanting to scratch my head and say, now how do I walk this out? And then you read something Paul says or something that Jesus says and say, this is all you got to worry about. Yeah, you know, like this, right? Just love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things, hang all the law and the prophets. That's a great summary of passage, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus, for, for simplifying it and helping it just become a little more simple for me. I, I want to... I want to turn this over to Ryan and let him lead whatever he wants to lead um, uh, as far as ministry time goes. But I want to speak a word of benediction over you. Okay? So what I'd like you to do, I'd like you to stand up. And this is going to be very short. And if, if you're given to this kind of thing, just put your hands out as you want to receive. And... Uh, You're the pastor, man. You get, you get to do whatever you want to do. That's good. Now, what this is, is this is just the last couple of verses above Colossians 3.17, which we didn't talk about. But I'm going to read this over you, and this is my, my prayer. I felt like, actually, I felt like this morning, and I was, hadn't gotten out of bed yet, and I was thinking about you all, and I was thinking about coming over here. I just, I felt like the Lord said to me, give this to them. Now, it's not about me giving it to you. It's, it's ultimately about him giving it to you, okay? I'm just, I'm just a vessel. Now, may the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called into one body and be thankful and let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another 
with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. May it be ever so. God bless the ark. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. All right, so we're going to wrap with that. The thing that, um, the, the thing that I wanted to um, just kind of end with is, like Jeff was saying, that this word is only as good as we take it and then we grab it and then we take it into our own prayer closets and do the real business with the Lord. You know, like we always talk about, oh, how's your relationship with God going? The relationship piece of that statement is something that we kind of just cruise over, but like that's the, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like, is there a depth of relationship there? And it's not a yes or no statement. It's, it's a continuum that never ends. And so I'd just love to encourage you to take the deepest things that are going on in your life. Like, what's, what's disrupting your peace these days? What's giving you the most joy? What do you find yourself churning on or thinking about? And take those things and take the time to get with the Lord and to talk about those things and to meditate on his promises in the context of those things and to not just light, let life blur, blur, blur by, but as Jeff was saying, like, truly do life with God, life with God. And so, you know, it's really, 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 really critical and important that we have a deep, rich inner life. And this is, what, this is what Jeff's talking about, is how do you attain that? Well, you take the most important things that are going on, and you share them with God, and you experience life together, and you take the trivial things, like finding a parking spot, and you do life with God, and you share those things with Him, and, and that's, that's what this looks like. So bless you as you do that this week, and aim to do that, and to develop a really deep, rich inner life with Him. And that, man, that we would all be able to, at the end of our lives, look back and be like, I really, really did life with God. Like we walked together and that's what we're going for. So bless you in that. Um, if you're a member of this church, we have an all members meeting. So stick around. Um, but God bless everybody and uh, go in peace. <laughs>